Let's all turn to two openings this morning, please. Galatians 5 and Romans 12. If you didn't bring a Bible with you, hold your hand up real high. The ushers have extra Bibles. Be glad to let you use one of ours. Hold your hand up high and let's all turn to Galatians 5, Romans 12. Galatians 5 and 13. Galatians 5.13, he says, Brethren, you have been called unto liberty. That's good news, isn't it? You've been called to freedom. Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh. Can you use your liberty wrongly, improperly? Yeah, you can. But use your liberty in love to serve one another. Look at the Amplified on that. He said, brethren, you are called to freedom. Only do not let your freedom be an incentive to your flesh and an opportunity or excuse for selfishness. But through love, you should serve one another. We've not been set free to be selfish. We've been set free To serve. Now we need to camp on this. And let the Lord renew our minds with his word. See things through his eyes. See things in the right light. Say it out loud. I'm saved. saved To serve. serve. Now he didn't say serve out of a sense of religious duty. By love. Serve. It's not doing something because you you think you have to. It's doing something because you you desire to. You want to. Out of love. He said in the uh, complete English version, the CEV. CEV says, my friends, you were chosen to be free. Aren't you glad for that? Don't use your freedom as an excuse to do anything you want. Use it. As an opportunity to serve each other with love. Now we have a choice. We have been redeemed. We have been forgiven. We have been cleansed. We have been given healing. We have been given the fullness of the Spirit. We have been given the authority in the name of Jesus. We have been given prosperity. We have been given the leading of the Spirit. And the list goes on and on. And we've been given all this so we can make ourselves happy. (laughs) Are you sure? We've been given all this. Why? For what? All of it is to put us in the more blessed place of ability. To serve. Can you say amen? Amen. And that ought to make us happy. I said that ought to make us happy. In Romans 12, if you'd notice. Romans 12, verse 1. He said, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable Service. 
Now the same word translated service is translated ministry. And he says this is just our reasonable service. The word means logical service or intelligent service. What does that mean? In light of all God has done for us. In view of his great mercies that he has shown on us and through us. All he's done in us, through us, for us. All he's brought us through, out of, and into. It's just reasonable that we serve him. Can you say amen? It's just reasonable. Logical. One of the things I, I love about the Lord is, is this that we're talking about right now. He owns us multiple times over. He owns us by right of creation. We wouldn't exist if he hadn't created the planet and created our parents, right? He owns us by right of sustaining us. If he didn't sustain us every millisecond, we'd perish. If he just quit causing gravity to function, we'd fly off the planet into space. It'd be the end of it. I mean, take a breath. How long can you make it without that next one? You know, the brightness of your mind, the next beat of your heart. He didn't just make us. He sustains us every millisecond. It's why the sun is shining. It's why the earth is turning. All things are upheld by the word of his power. So he owns us by right of that. We're totally dependent on him. But then also, our parents, Adam and Eve, sinned and bowed their knee to the enemy and and died and lost themselves. And all of us did that. You can't look back and say, well, Adam and Eve, you know, thanks a lot. You messed us up. If it hadn't been for you, we'd still be in the garden. Oh, no. No. Because everybody since has done the same thing they did. The only way you could throw a rock is if you could say, I have never sinned. Well, that's what they did. And so we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. But even though man has lost himself through his sin, God bought us back. He bought us back. He redeemed us by his blood, by the work of the cross. So now he owns us, you understand what I'm saying, multiple times over. He owns us by right of creation, by right of redemption, etc., etc. But he still says, here, I bought you, I paid for you, you're free, but here's the keys. Serve me if you want to. And if you don't, don't. That ought to cause us to want to. How many think you ought to? Nobody's making you. He's not demanding anything. He's not forcing anything. It ought to make you say, Lord, it's just my reasonable service. I ought to serve you. I owe everything I got to you. My life, my existence, my future, everything. I'm glad to serve you. Other translations bring out this in the NIV. Romans 12, 1 says, this is your spiritual act of worship. The New American Standard says, it's your spiritual service of worship. Most folks need to mind renewal in these areas. And we said last time we taught on this that we need to uh, make the connection. When you hear ministry, what should you think? Service. Service. And when you hear ministry or service, what else should you think? Worship. Worship. 
And if you hadn't been thinking like that, we need to remind ourselves continuously. Elsewise, you're going to come to some wrong conclusions and have some misconceptions about serving him and about ministry. The word translated ministry, same word translated serve and service all through the New Testament. And it literally means to attend to, to wait on. Now, both of these have the idea like a wait person at table, like a waiter or waitress, to attend to, to wait on. And another one is to be of use, to be of use. You and I have been liberated so we could be of use. (laughs) We've been set free so we could be useful. Amen. Amen. Do you believe it? Thank you, Lord. Go with me to Ephesians, the fourth chapter. We looked at this last time, and let's remind ourselves. This is where some of this mind renewal comes in. In Ephesians 4 and the 11th verse, NIV, Jesus gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors, and teachers. Now these are preachers. We call them ministers today. And there is an idea about ministry that's very limiting. And in look at the King James in verse 12. He said he gave these ministry gifts. These apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. For the perfecting of saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. And people hear that and read that, and in their mind they think God gave the ministers to do the work of the ministry. And that sounds logical, but it's not right. I said it's not right. Look at the NIV. You'll see numerous other translations bring this out. He gave these ministry gifts for what? To prepare God's people for works of service. The question is, who is supposed to do the work of the ministry? And that's why I said we need to associate, when we hear the word minister, ministry, what should we think? Service. Because people have limited that word to preaching. And in their mind, the preachers are supposed to do the work of the ministry. Which is impossible. It's too big. It's too vast. And they can't do that, all those jobs and do theirs. The work of the ministry gifts. The preaching and teaching gifts. Is to do what? To prepare God's people for works of service. So that the body of Christ may be built up. It's going to take so much more than a handful of preachers to build the whole body of Christ to where it needs to be. Look at the uh, Amplified. His intention in giving these ministry gifts was the perfecting and full equipping of the saints. His consecrated people that they should do. Everybody say they should do. That they should do the work of ministering toward building up Christ's body, the church. Now, more churches believe wrong about this 
than believe right. Churches all over the place, in this state, in our country, other countries, have the idea that the ministers are to do the work of the ministry. And the saints basically come and get fed and try to have a good life. That the ministers are hired and in place to do the work of the ministry, to do the spiritual stuff, which includes the counseling and visitation and, and all those kind of things. And you got huge numbers of pastors and preachers that are just worn to nothing. They are not in a decent condition to get in the pulpit because they've spent too much time counseling and visiting. They're doing that and they're cutting the grass and they're vacuuming the carpet on the platform and people say, man, what a good little preacher we got. He don't feel like he's too good to do anything and he just does it all himself. Yeah, and it's costing you. It's costing you so much more than you know on both ends. Number one, you're not getting from them what you need to be getting. And number two, you're going to waste your life and not have any reward for not doing any of the opportunities of service that you could be doing. Time is just passing by. Are y'all with me, friends? This is a positive thing that the Lord counts you and me mature enough to hear this at this juncture. And he didn't intend that we hear it and get miffed and offended and not do it. He intended that we hear it and come up to a level of service that we have never been before and a level of usefulness and fruitfulness that exceeds our past. Come on, do you believe it? Sit out loud, he called me to be free. And I'm free to serve. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Go with me to the book of Acts, why don't you? The Acts chapter 6. These are the beginning days of the church. And did you know that uh, people talk about the early church, the early church, the early church. It's the same church we're a part of. <laughs> we're a part of the same church. In fact, the book of Acts is still being written. We're part of the same church that started here. Some of the church is already in heaven. Some of them still on the earth. We'll soon be there with them. And so the answers he gave them apply directly to us now. Verse 1, in those days when the number of disciples was multiplied, there arose a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews because their widows were neglected in the daily ministration. Now, they had a lot of good things going on as far as people that needed uh, food and people needed help and were going on, but things had gotten big and uh, some things were being missed and not everybody was being taken care of and some folk got upset. Murmuring indicates people being upset. <laughs> and they were upset because somebody needs to take care of this. Somebody 
needs to fix this. Somebody needs to be on this. Now learn a valuable lesson here, saints. You got folks who are always the first to show up, always the first to raise their hand and volunteer to take care of it and to help. And then you got folks that always have something on their heart that you need to do. <laughs> and, and we're going to talk about this later on. But the reason so many are so intense about, well, somebody needs to do this, is because God has dealt with them to do it. And they're trying to get somebody else to do what they're supposed to do. And it's why they're frustrated and why they're so intense about it. Well, somebody, I'd have this on my heart strong. I wonder why. <laughs> I just really feel that somebody needs to do this. Yeah, me too. <laughs> but see, you got this big batch of laziness. And folks, is, you know, if they can pawn it off on somebody else, they tend to think, well, you know, that, well, it's being done. but I want you to listen ministers need to hear this because they were complaining to the preachers and they were bellyaching that you need to take care of this to the preachers and the twelve called the multitude of the disciples and said to them it is not reason it is not reasonable that we should leave the word of God and serve tables That's not that they thought they were too good to do it. It's not reasonable that we're doing that and not doing our job. Read the rest of it. Verse 3. Look ye out among you. (laughs) Among you. Among you. Who's going to take care of it? You are. Look ye out among you, seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. Now, they don't get to do it just ever how they want to. We're going to appoint. But it's going to come from you. And verse 4. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. That's their area of service. Come on, can you see that? And it's not reasonable that they should leave their area and they're not praying and seeking God and they're not studying and preparing in the Word and they're over there distributing the food. People say, well, look how, look what a good man I got. You know, what good pastor we got. He don't mind doing anything. It's good that he doesn't mind doing anything, but it's not reasonable that a pastor or a couple of staff do everything and 98% of the people do nothing. That's not reasonable. Is it? And if leaders allow that, they're being foolish. And what will happen is they will wear themselves out and make themselves old before their time. And they'll rush into the pulpit at the last minute and be frazzled and not be properly prepared. And the people won't get the level of word and level of ministry. And the vision won't be there like it needs to be. All of us have a job. Don't we? There's nobody in the body that's supposed to do nothing that was saved to sit. (laughs) There's no group that was saved to sit. (laughs) Tell me what the scripture said. You're saved 
to serve. Save to serve. Can you say amen? amen. Or owe me or, or something. Go to Titus, please. The third chapter. Titus chapter 3. Who's supposed to do the work of the ministry? The saints. The ministry gifts are given to equip and prepare the saints so that they can do the work of the ministry. That makes sense, doesn't it? We talk about everything that needs to be done, uh, all the huge number of things. A handful of people could never do it. But if the whole body is doing it, then many hands make light work, right? What's an impossible job for a dozen people is an easy job for a thousand people. Easy. So easy. But the part of the mind renewal that needs to come is that you got all kind of church going people that do, they have no service to the Lord. It's sad, but they don't, and they're not even interested in it. But then you got some that are a little more committed and dedicated, and they do some service, but to them it's a side thing. You know, their main thing is their job and their family. And their recreation and whatever. And if they have time. (laughs) And if it's convenient. Then they'll do some things. uh, At the church. Or they'll do some things. For gospel work. And that needs to turn around. I said that needs to turn around. That instead of that being your side thing. That's the main thing. And the other. Is back seat. But now that is major mind renewal isn't it. Because so many people, they, they just take for granted, well, you know, I, I got my job, I got my business, I got my occupation, I got my family, I got my kids, I got my stuff. Everybody knows that's, you know, that's first. It's not supposed to be first. If it's first, God's not. If your family's first, God's not. Let me say it again real slow. If your family's first... God's not. And people say, well, I'm not selfish. I I live for my family. Yeah, your family. That's still a form of selfishness. (laughs) Well, you can tell this is going over big, isn't it? (laughs) No, friend, this is good news. We need to have some crusty stuff knocked off of us. Right? right? We need to run over some more of them sacred cows. and, And we need to get some things fixed. But how many believe the Lord could and would bring us up to a level of service and usefulness that we have not experienced before. And do you think in a few more days and this life is over and you're out of here, you would be glad that you did because soon and very soon you and I are going to stand before the Lord and give an account of what we did in this body. And you don't want to have regrets. You want to be able to hear him say, well done. Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. How many think you have to do something in order to be faithful over a few things? You'd, not nothing. You'd have to do something. Right? <laughs> Titus, the third chapter, and the eighth verse in the NIV. Titus 3 and 8. He said, this is a trustworthy saying. I want you to stress these things so that those who have trusted in God may be careful to devote themselves to doing what is good. These things are excellent and profitable 
for everyone. Skip down to the 14th verse. 14th verse. Our people must learn to devote themselves to doing what is good. In order that they may provide for daily necessities and not live unproductive lives. Is it possible to be a child of God, to be born again, filled with the Spirit, know He loves you, know a lot of things about Him, and yet live an unproductive life? It is. Listen to other translations. The easy to read. Easy to read says, Our people must learn to use their lives for doing good and helping anyone who has a need. Then they will not have empty lives. They'll not have empty lives. Today's English version says they should not live useless lives. Useless, empty lives. The writer of Ecclesiastes starts off by saying, vanity of vanities. All is vanity. And and it's a truth that the more wisdom and the more understanding you have, the more you realize how useless so much of what is done really is. Because he began to name, he said, well, you do this, but then where's that going to put you? And that's already been done, and that's already been, and, and this will be forgotten soon. And so he kept coming back to, what's the point? What's the use? And if you have some wisdom and understanding, you begin to be enlightened that so much of the motions and efforts and resources are spent for no no benefit, no profit. But with God, things, even the smallest things, can take on eternal significance. The psalmist said, I'd rather be a doorkeeper at the house of the Lord than dwell in the tents of wickedness. Why? Because you do anything that genuinely is a help or a benefit To the kingdom, to the church, to your brothers, to the gospel. It will never be forgotten. It will never go away. Can you say amen? Amen. It causes your life to matter. Causes your time to matter. Can you say amen? Amen. Somebody say glory to God. God. Look with me over in Peter. 2 Peter. The first chapter. 2 Peter 1 and 8. He gave a list of things to add to your faith. And he said, if these things are in you and abound, they will make you that you shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, did you hear this phrase? This reveals to you it's possible to have a lot of knowledge about Jesus And yet be unfruitful and have a barren life. Are you reading with me, saints? We don't want to be unfruitful in the knowledge. We want to do something with the knowledge. Right? In uh, Colossians 1.9, I like this. You don't have to turn there. They'll put it up for us. Colossians 1.9, he says... Since the day we heard of it, we don't cease to pray for you and desire that you might be filled with all the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. So you can sit at home and go, whoo, whoo, I know some stuff now. (laughs) Read the next verse. Why should you, why do you need to be? Why would it be good for you to be filled with the knowledge 
of him, that you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, what? What? Being fruitful. Somebody say fruitful. Fruitful. Fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. We need to begin to look more uh, in an examining way at things. It's not just about high sounding revelation. Who's it helping? We need to look down to the bottom line on stuff. And go okay that sounds fine. Who's getting helped out of this? Because if it's just about me and you going whoo we spiritual. (laughs) We see and know some stuff now. If it's really God and you're a doer of it. There's going to be some fruit. Somebody say fruit. fruit. And that fruit is People's lives being helped. Useful. Somebody say useful. Useful. People's lives being helped. Go to Mark 8 please. Do you see from those last two scriptures. You can be unfruitful. In the knowledge of him. Or you can be fruitful. In the knowledge of him. Just because you've been to church a lot. Just because you've been to a lot of meetings. Just because you read a lot of books. Just because you heard a lot of CDs. Doesn't make you fruitful. Just because you know a lot of stuff. Doesn't make you fruitful. Doesn't mean you're useful. I want to be useful. How about you? I want to be useful. And I know he's made a way for me to be. I know he's made a way for every one of his kids. To be useful. In Mark 8... 35, Mark 8, 35, Jesus said, whosoever will save his life, what will happen? You'll lose it. Do you believe that or not? But whosoever shall lose his life for my sake and the gospels, the same shall save it. Now, here's the thing. People have associated being free with being free to pursue what makes me happy. But that's not the words of Jesus. And you will never be happy only trying to make yourself happy. Does not work. Cannot work. You can think, well, you know, I'm... I'm, Learn everything so I can be healed. Learn everything so I can get all my bills paid and get in the best shape of my life. Learn everything so I can be full of power and I can have a lot of revelation. And I'll get my stuff and I'll do this and my kids will have that. And It is not enough. And it will never be enough. In fact, trying to get it, Jesus said you will lose it. You will lose it. You can't make yourself happy and satisfied. There's not enough stuff. There's not enough money. There's not enough accomplishment. You can see it in people's eyes that reach high levels of accomplishment when they get there. Oh, they're happy. It excites them for a few days. But you can see it in their eyes. You can hear it in the tone of their voice. Is this all there is? Is this the end? Because they're still missing something. They're still empty on the inside. You cannot be fulfilled without being useful. You cannot be satisfied 
without genuine service that makes a difference. Can you say amen? Amen. And the Lord has provided for every one of us. Do not think. People say, well, honest, I don't have any opportunity. That is not true. I don't have anything to offer. Not true. Not true. The Bible said he has distributed to every one of us gifts and graces. And you see the opportunities as well. It's not true. It is true. That you and I every day of our life have an opportunity to serve. Can you say amen? Amen. The problem is so many choose not to. They choose, they got something else they need to do. To take care of my this and my that. And there's a, if the enemy, he knows so many times he can't get serious Christians to say that they don't want to give, they don't want to serve. But if he can just get you to put it off. You know, well, when we get this done, when we get our house built, when I finish my thing on my job here, when we get through with these contracts, when we get through with this, when we get the kids through school, when we do this, and years are passing, decades are passing, and you are being played. Because if you will accept some excuse not to, the enemy will provide it for you. He will try to choreograph so that there's a reason and you'll look up at the end of your life and realize you're out of time and you haven't served. And it's why you've been unhappy. Go with me to John, please. John chapter, let's start in 14, 15, excuse me, 15, 8 is where I want you to be. 15, 8. So herein is my Father glorified that what? How's God going to be glorified in your and my life? Not how many meetings we go to. (laughs) Not how many books and sets of CDs we have. Fruit. That you bear much fruit. Somebody say much fruit. Much fruit. fruit. So shall you be my disciples. Keep reading. As my Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Continue in my love. Verse 11, these things have I spoken to you that my joy might remain in you. Why does he want you to bear much fruit? See, this is about your joy. That my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. Somebody say glory to God. This is my commandment. That you love one another as I have loved you. You see, it's been twisted. Even in churches, people, you can hear it by the tone of their voice. People say, well, now the Bible said you've got to love one another. Everybody goes, hmm, yeah, if I have to. I guess I got to. That shows you don't understand. Because Jesus is telling you, if we just listen to him, he's saying, this is how you're going to be fulfilled. This is how your joy is going to get and stay full. I'm commanding you. How many know he loves you? So when he commands you, it's because it's going to be the thing that you need the most. If you don't do it, you're not going to be happy. You're not going to have joy. It's why he commanded you to. 
love one another as I have loved you. Verse 13, greater love has no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Don't read that with a morbid sense. Yeah, I guess if you'd really sell out to God, die to self, (laughs) that kind of person will never do it. Never going to happen. Just empty talk. In 1 Corinthians 13, look at that. 1 Corinthians 13, verse 3. Though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and give my body to be burned, and have not love, it profits me nothing. Is it true? You could sell everything you've got and give every penny of it to the poor and it be useless for nothing. Really? Why? Unless you do it in love. Well, what other reason would somebody do it? Condemnation? Sense of religious duty? Fear? Trying to show people how spiritual they are? There's all kinds of reasons instead of love. But when love's involved, nobody's making you. Come on, are you listening? Nobody's making you. You want to. You are doing this because you want to. You are laying down your life. What does laying down your life mean? Now, this is the part we're going to get into later, but I can introduce it. Have you found out you cannot spend the same money on two different things? Ladies, have you found out? You just got X amount of money and you can either get the new purse or the new shoes. You you don't have enough to buy both today. That that could change tomorrow. But if you spend it on the shoes, you can't get the purse. If you spend it on the purse, you can't get the shoes. Whatever you spend it on... You've made a decision, right? And there's something we got more important than money. It's time. And in order to spend time for service for other people, you're going to have to take it away from spending it on you. And there's where the rub comes in. (laughs) Because you can have all the good intentions in the world, But if you spend it all on you, you will have none left to spend on somebody else. And you'll be unhappy. You'll be unfulfilled. What we're talking about in service to our brothers and sisters, service to the church, service to the body, service to the Lord, is ministry, is service, is worship. Can you say amen? Amen. And it is your reasonable service. And if you're glad to do it, if you want to do it, your priorities change. Your value system changes. And instead of my life and my stuff and my job and my kids and my, 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 there's a change. And there's stuff you've got to do, but that's not your main stuff. 
and your desire and the thing that makes you happy is not the time you can spend on yourself. And your ultimate goal is not to get where you can fish all the time or golf all the time. That is not your main goal in life. Did you hear me? Doesn't mean you can't ever play, but play must not be the main thing. And it must not be the first thing. And I've found this, if you'll put him first and put service first, then you may not have the quantity of playing, but you'll have a much better quality of playing. When you do get to play, you'll enjoy it so much better than you ever did. And the Lord will just set you up so amazingly. But it's not first. And if you need to leave something, you leave that. And you take care of your service. Can you say amen? Amen. Look with me in Philemon, please. Just one chapter in Philemon. I'm excited about this series. Are you? I am because uh, there's nothing more miserable than feeling useless. Just nothing. And it's the enemies that's able to do all kind of stuff with people and, you know, Maybe your flesh wanted to do something and you put yourself first and you missed opportunities to be a blessing or to be a help. And and afterwards, the same devil that tempted you will come back to condemn you for doing what he suggested. Isn't he a sorry cuss? I mean, he'll come back and go, look at you. You know, you're a pitiful excuse for this and that. Just useless. Just useless. You know, in fact, you're, you're worse than that. You're a hindrance. And, and if you take all that in and you, you begin to cry and feel bad and go, yeah, I'm just, a, I'm just a big old mess up. I'm just everybody's way. And the devil will say, no, let me, let me tell you how bad it is. And he'll take that little hammer out of your hand and put a sledgehammer in. And between you and him will beat your brains out until you got no confidence, no sense of self-worth. And people get suicidal like this. They're like, well, what's the reason for me to live? There's no point. But it is not true. I said it's not true. It's only because you're not doing what you can and should be doing. What's available to be done. Everybody can be useful. You say, well, I don't have the health. I don't have the strength. I don't have the resources. That's three of the 10,000 excuses we'll be talking about later on. (laughs) That won't hold water either now or later. (laughs) This minister told me, oh, this has been a few years ago, about a lady in his church that was physically restricted, couldn't move around on her own, but she had the use of her hands. And she subscribed to all the magazines and newspapers, and all day long she clipped coupons for every family in the church and made folders for them and are saving them 10 20 $30 on their groceries every week. Hallelujah. Everybody can do something, if you will. Everybody. Anybody can do something, if you will. you got to have a heart to do it, and a willingness to do it. Or you can be too preoccupied and busy with your own stuff. But the problem is, if you seek only your stuff, you'll lose it, Jesus said. And, And while you're losing it, you'll be miserable. But Jesus said, if you'd act on his command... 
And this service that we're talking about is just a practical application of the love command. Why are you doing it? Why is she clipping those coupons for those? She loves them. She wants to do something that help them, something that be genuinely useful. And if you just start with that kind of heart, the Lord will show you. He will lead you. He'll put it in your hand. He'll put it in your ability. You'll have the opportunity. We were coming in from Iowa this week, uh, Mike and myself. And I was telling him we were, man, we had a good service and a lot of good things had happened and ministers had come from several places around and, and like we had said, we sowed, you know, the Lord did and Word Partners, uh, Word Senders sent, uh, you know, tens of thousands of dollars of materials in their hands and we're going back to the room and I just said, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Master. You have put us in the more blessed position. We're able to come didn't cost them a dime for us to come to them. We were able to pay for all of our travel and our rooms and all our rent. didn't cost them anything. And we are able to sow all those materials. My service has to do with the Word, the teaching and preaching of the Word. And there was a time when I couldn't have filled up my car to go out to preach somewhere. But in these decades of time, the Lord has turned it around and increased our ability to bring our service. And to not have to ask for anything. (laughs) And that sense of usefulness and fruitfulness. It's just priceless. You can't put a price on it. Can you? That's not for two or three people in the body of Christ. That's for every believer. Come on, do you believe it? Every, Every believer has opportunities. If you'll take them. And if you'll take them and pursue them. And give it the right place. God will bring you into the more blessed position to where he will enhance your ability to bring your service and help to people many hundred times, thousand times what you started off with. Do you believe it, friends? But if you never start, if you just throw up your hands and say, well, who am I? I don't have anything. I can't do anything. No. These natural things God calls spiritual worship. I mean, you saw the usher team here today. You saw the clean team previously. You saw the parking lot team. Are you thankful for these ministries? These brothers and sisters are serving you. They're serving me. They get here early. They prepare. Why? Not out of a sense of morbid duty. Because they love the Lord. And they love you. And they want you to be happy. And they want you to be comfortable. And they want you to be blessed. And if you have that kind of desire. And you'll just show up. And make yourself available. God will pour grace into you. He'll put money in your hand. He'll put strength in your body. Come on are you listening. Because you're endeavoring to obey the New Testament command. You're endeavoring to love them. You know. Do you remember uh, Brother Jesse. uh, Duplantis. Uh, if you were here, he told his experience about heaven that God gave him. And something I'm reminded of often. He said, if you haven't heard it, it, it'll bless you to hear it. He said, place after place, he met people that he didn't know. Met people and some people that he'd read about but didn't know. People in the Bible. But virtually every one of them, he didn't talk that much about it. But I, I, it caught my ear when he said it. Just about every one of them said, can we do something for you? This is in heaven. They're saying, can we, do you need anything? Do you want anything? Can we do anything that everybody up there, that's what they're interested in. You know, some of them were going on a picnic and they said, you want to go with us? You can go with us. 
Can we do anything for you? Can we get you anything? Can we help? Well, see, that is the service mentality that is Christ-like. He said, I didn't come to be served. I came to serve. And to give my life a ransom for many. At the very end of his ministry, he took off his outer garment, knelt down, washed their feet, didn't he? And said, you need to do like I've done. Why? Not because it's your duty. It's your joy. It is the key to your fullness of joy. Because when you're really doing something that's benefiting somebody, it's taking pressure off of them. It's helping them. It's encouraging them. It's making them more comfortable. Any number of it can't be too small. If it's really affecting them, how many know things on the outside affect things on the inside? You know, Kate has helped us personally at the house and with my clothes and everything for decades and decades. And if my clothes are all bunched up and around and I get, and they messed up and, and I'm all messed up and I'm trying to preach and I'm thinking, why do they keep looking at me so funny like that? You know, does what's outside affect the inside? So her ministry, and she's talked about it, we've talked about it, her ministry unto the Lord is to help and aid me. And to help and aid us in these kind of things. Can you say that one thing is so much more important than the other when you can't do the one without the other? And God calls it spiritual worship. Hallelujah. It may be moving a broom. It may be cleaning a, a wash basin. But if it has to do with the kingdom, it's helping the gospel be preached. It's helping the people of God. God calls it spiritual service and worship can you say amen Amen. and there's no such thing as a person who can't do anything I mean if you couldn't even move your body if you couldn't even move your mouth you could lay there and pray inside yourself in faith couldn't you and be a benefit to somebody if you got a heart there's a way you can can you say amen? amen and it is the key to your joy Being full. Philemon. This whole little. This book. We call it a book. But it's a letter. Was written about. What we're talking about. A big portion of this letter. Is about this subject. Philemon. He's being written to. And. Verse 10. The man of God says. I beseech you. For my son Onesimus, whom I have begotten in my bonds. Now, Onesimus literally means, the name means profitable or useful. That's what his name means. And in verse 11, he says, in time past, he was to you unprofitable. So here, the Spirit of God through Paul is making a play on his name. He was unprofitable. But now he is profitable to you and to me. The NIV, listen to NIV in verse 10. I appeal to you for my son Onesimus, who became my son while I was in chains. Formerly he was useless to you. But now he has become useful both to you And to me. He went on to say later. He said he's ministering to me. In your stead. He's doing things for me. You would do if you were here. But you can't. And not long ago. This man was useless. 
Is it possible that the useless become useful? Mm. Somebody say glory to God. Now Paul is in prison for preaching the gospel. Onesimus, no. He's in prison for being useless. <laughs> say what? Yeah. You ever heard the phrase, idle hands or the devil's workshop? That's not a scripture. But there is a principle there that you'll see in scripture. That if you're not occupied with something good, you're available for something bad. We'll go over that again real slow. If you're not occupied with the Lord's work, with your service, then you're available for mischief, sin, trouble. Do you remember King David when he fell and messed up? Things were going so well. And yet the Bible tells us at that time of the year that the armies went out to their battles and to their positions. And David did not go. He stayed home. Of course he's been with them in battle over and over again. I mean this is how he came up. But he's king. He don't have to go if he don't want to go. So he didn't go. And so he's not out there with his men. He's not out there studying strategy. He's not out there with them in the plans. He's at home watching TV. And he watched all the movies, played all the video games, <laughs> ate everything he could think of, and, and he's bored. He's just bored. So he's up on top of the house, you know, trying to find something. And he found something. <laughs> Beautiful, naked woman. And people have tried to minimize this and say, well, he was just a man and other people fall. Do you know how many children's lives it cost him when he messed up? Three of his kids died. One of them's life was ruined for the rest of their life. He had to run away like an outlaw. The name of the Lord was reproached for decades. Are you listening? Yeah, God forgave him and even restored him. But what a price. What a price. Too high too high. And yet, what if he had been with his men on the job in the service of the Lord? He wouldn't have been up there bored looking around to see what he could find. Are you listening to me, friends? And there's too many folks are too bored. And and listen, when you're bored, it's because it's something you should be doing, you're not doing. Because if you were occupied with what the Lord told you to do, you wouldn't have all this bored time. Just a fact. But no matter how useless people may have lived and acted, is it possible by the grace of God that the useless can become Onesimus? You can become profitable, useful. And Onesimus did something wrong. Uh, if you read the whole letter, it appears he stole from Philemon or caused him all kind of trouble and harm. And Paul had to tell him, look, Forgive him for it, would you? Or for my behalf, would you? I'll pay you back. I'll take care of it. So Onesimus had done some bad stuff. But in prison, there rightly because of his crimes or whatever, 
he got saved. Paul got a hold of him. He got born again. And now Paul wants him to know that this good for nothing has become good for something. And has become a useful helper to him, the man of God, in prison. Oh, come on, are you listening? I mean, one day you're a waste your life, good for nothing outlaw. The next day you are associate to the man of God. Affecting the eternal kingdom. That's the grace of God. If you're willing, if you got a heart. Hallelujah. We won't read the whole thing, but do you remember Mark that traveled with Paul and his company and left them in the middle of the trip? Do you remember that or not? You may not. But it's there in the book of Acts, if you study it, that uh, they had Mark to go with them. And I mean, in the middle of the trip, the Bible said Mark uh, left them. In fact, he and uh, Barnabas, you know, had trouble over it because he was kin to Barnabas. And Barnabas wanted to take his kinfolks with him again. And, and Paul said, no, uh, they, he didn't think it's good to take the one that forsook him in the middle of the trip. He, well, he was useless help probably, huh? <laughs> if they leave you in the middle of the trip, that's pretty useless, isn't it? Second Timothy 2. We'll look at then we'll look at this other one. He was, uh, Mark left them in a lurch, you might say. You know, they had planned this trip and they took him for support and for help. And uh, he saw uh, that Elamus the sorcerer incident. And I guess he saw some wild stuff happening and he missed mama's cooking. I don't know what was going on, but he just left and went home. He said, man, I'm out of here. And then the next trip, Barnabas said, let's take him again. And Paul said, uh-uh. No. And you don't need folks you can't rely on. But it, well, I, Paul wasn't writing him off for the rest of his life. He needed to grow up. Some things needed to change with him. But later on, you see Paul say something about him that gives you heart comfort. In 2 Timothy 2.21, 2 Timothy 2.21 He said, if a man will purge himself from these, he will be a vessel unto honor, sanctified and meet for the master's use and prepared for every good work. This word, uh, meet for the master's use, it literally means easily used. Don't you like that phrase? Easily used. I want the Holy Spirit to find me easy to work with. How about you? Available, immediately available, easily used. That sounds like on call, doesn't it? And we're going to talk about this. Are you in active service in the kingdom? Or are you out of service? Or do you think maybe you're retired? Are unnecessary. Let me just go ahead and give you a little tip. (laughs) You retire when you breathe your last breath, or the trumpet sounds, whichever happens first. Come on, are you listening? That's you don't retire from the kingdom of God. (laughs) Useful to the master. The NIV says, "Useful to the master and prepared to do any good work." Said out loud, "Useful to the master." Say it again, useful to the master. master. Say it out loud, I am am 
useful to the master and prepared to do any good work. That's what we're talking about. It's why the Lord has poured faith into us and prosperity and healing and all these things. Why? To prepare us. Concerning you and me, it's why the Lord sent Phyllis and I here to this place instead of some other place to you to help you and I get prepared. Right? And equipped. Why? For service. Not to sit. (laughs) To serve. Somebody say serve. Serve. Meet for the master's use. Useful to the master and prepared to do any good work. Skip down to the fourth chapter. Later on, years later, after uh, Mark pulled his disappearing stunt in the middle of a ministry campaign, and after Paul and Barnabas split ways over it, overtaking Mark again, years later, Paul said by the Spirit, he said only, verse 11, 2 Timothy 4, 11, only Luke is with me. Take Mark and bring him with you. Huh? Huh? Same Mark that ran off in the middle of the trip? Same Mark that was useless help? Take Mark and bring him with you, for he is profitable to me for the ministry. Man, this is good news, isn't it? I don't care what kind of stunt you pulled, how selfish you might have acted, how many folks you might have let down or left in a lurch or didn't do what you said you would do. Do not let the devil tell you, well, that's just you. Nobody can count on you. You're not useful. He's a liar. I said, he's a liar. As maybe what you did, but it's not what you are. And it's not what you have to be. And we've seen a couple of instances just in the last few minutes of people who were, the Bible called them, unprofitable, useless. But they changed. And God was able to do things for them. And in process of time, useless became useful. Oh, hallelujah. Useful. And the man of God at the forefront of the apostolic ministry, blazing new trails, preaching the gospel in nations that had never been preached before, facing down demons and witches and shipwrecks, and I'm telling you, cutting edge kingdom business. Says, I need Mark. Don't you know that was music to Mark's ears? Huh? Don't you know the devil had beat him over the head about his immaturity and his stunts that he had pulled and passed and somebody comes and says hey Paul the apostle is calling for you says he needs you that you are profitable to help him in the ministry he needs you in this juncture right now oh glory to God and how many think he's been even happier about it after this life they've been gone from this earth many 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 years and don't you think he's happier about it now than he was then because here we are talking about him talking about Mark in Branson All these years after he's been gone from the earth. Why? Because he was useful. He was useful to the man of God. Come on, stand on your feet, everybody. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Mm, Hallelujah. Praise you, Lord. Just close your eyes and lift up your hands. Lift up your heart. Thank the Lord for his grace. 
for his opportunities. Mercy and grace. Mercy and grace. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.